0: Good morning, good morning. morning. I feel bad. I've been thinking about this. I used my Bible to prop up my iPad and that is not good. It makes me nervous. I don't like it, but just know that I use the Bible to put these things on the iPad. So there's that. I went to a, I went to a preaching conference this week. What was it called? It doesn't matter. It was a KBC event and I'd say the average age in that room was probably 60. There was a lot of older fellas in there, and and we had a panel. Uh, there was a panel at the end. There was four or five pastors sitting up there, and somebody asked the question, when do you quit getting nervous? And everybody was just like, you don't. And I seem it seems like that's true because I don't get nervous until I get up here. And I'm really not right now. Right in this moment, I'm not nervous, but I'll look up in 10 minutes, and I'll, I'll just feel... Something changed, my heart will flutter, I'm like, what's going on? And then every Sunday, when I get finished here, I'm standing down here, and sweat starts to come out of my back. (laughs) And fortunately, it doesn't happen while I'm up here, but every single Sunday since I've been here, when I'm standing down there, I'm like, oh gosh, I hope they can't see the sweat coming off my forehead. Sometimes I do this, but I can feel it just start to trickle down my back. Now, I don't know where, how the time release happens on that, like as soon as I'm done, bam. And uh, anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. I don't you probably don't need to know all that, but now you know. <laughs> so you all make me nervous. Okay, let's move on. We I have a couple of announcements. We have a marriage Bible study starting Wednesday, and that we are going to meet in the choir room. There's there's plenty of chairs back there. It's a it's a closer space, so it'll be more intimate and we need intimacy for marriage. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to drag a TV back there. It's, it's a video study. I'm going to cut. I've been, I'm, a, I'm, watching the, I'm watching the videos in advance, of course, and there's some portions that I'm going to cut out just because they kind of, they just take a lot of time from us. So we're going to do that. So if you're not coming to Wednesday nights, even if you're not married, if you plan to be married, if you've been married and you might get married again, please, please don't not come because you're married. Please join us. People get married. You need to know. Grant, I'm looking at you. (laughs) I see you. You're trying to hide under the seat. What are you doing? (laughs) Oh, he just dropped his drink. Okay. We need you there on Wednesday nights. Jackson House, where are you at back there? Are you coming? Okay. All right. I'm just giving you a hard time. But it's going to be good. The videos are good, and we're going to have good discussion. And at the end of that, we're going to have... I don't know when, I haven't picked a date yet, but we're gonna have a date night in here at the church, we're gonna have food, and we're gonna play the Newlywed game. I finally remembered the name of the game, and I'm not gonna, if you don't wanna get up here and play the Newlywed, not everybody has to play. Uh, It's gonna be a voluntary thing, so if you wanna play uh, and let us laugh at you, we're gonna do that. So, a lot of good things going on here, and we are starting a new series this week, and it is called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, and where did I get that name? I got that name from this book that was sitting on my shelf, and I'm using this book as a resource. Uh, There's not only Nine Marks uh, of a Healthy Church, but these are nine good ones. And um, so I I put a link, an Amazon link, if you want to buy this book and follow along. I'm going straight through the chapters each week. I'm I'm not preaching out of Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. I'm using it as a resource to, to guide me through this sermon series. So, uh, but I will be going chapter by chapter. In chapter number one, and the most important mark of a healthy church is expositional preaching. And that's a fancy word, and I'm going to tell you what it means here in a little while. But uh, the nine marks of a healthy church are expositional preaching, biblical theology, the gospel, a biblical understanding of conversion, a biblical understanding of evangelism, a biblical understanding of church membership biblical church discipline, discipleship and growth, and biblical church leadership. So, like as I said, we're starting with number one. Expositional preaching is number one. But before we talk about what expositional preaching is, let's think for a minute about what makes a church healthy and vibrant. In your mind, think for a minute, what makes a church healthy and vibrant? Is it the seats? These seats are way more comfortable than the seats that we came from. The seats that we came from were plastic, and uh, I, if I was listening to me preach, I'd be asleep in this seat, I'd say, compared to the one that I came from. But uh, is it what makes a church healthy? Is it the seats? Is it the parking lot? Is it the nursery? Is it the coffee? Is it the lack of coffee? Is it the people? Are there plenty of younger people in the church to keep the church moving? Are there plenty of older people in the church to sprinkle their wisdom uh, unto the younger people? Is it the building? Is it the number of people in the building? Is it the programs? There are so many things that go on in the church, and, and it causes us to think, what, what do we like about our church? What do we not like about our church? We all have opinions. What makes a church healthy? Well, the number one mark of a healthy church is expositional preaching. What is expositional preaching? Expositional is not a a word that we use often, but think about the word expose. Expositional preaching is preaching in which the main point of the biblical text being considered becomes the main point of the sermon being preached. A simpler way of saying this is preaching straight from the Bible. So we read a book of the Bible, and I'm not always going to do this. There's going to be topical things. This is it's kind of ironic, I'm, I'm preaching topically about expositional preaching, but for the next nine weeks we're going to talk about Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Well we're going to use Scripture in that. So expositional preaching is taking a passage of the Bible, John chapter 1, and making the, the point of John chapter 1 the point of the sermon. That is what expositional preaching is. And the reason it's important is because if, I, if we didn't preach that way, I would just stand up here and preach about the things that I like all the time. Like when we went through Sermon on the Mount, we didn't skip the part about adultery. That was not fun, but it's there, so we preach it. Okay. So expositional preaching is the first and the most important mark of a healthy church, and that, and that seems obvious, hopefully, to you. I think it, se- it would seem obvious to us because that's what we do here at Bellevue. Uh, we preach and teach and learn directly from Scripture, but there are plenty of churches that do not do this, so uh, be grateful that you attend and are a member of a church that does do this. So let's break down why is it important to learn directly from God's Word in this expository way. What, is it, what does God's Word do in our lives and, and the lives of others throughout history? what does God's Word do for us? And because we are selfish, black-hearted sinners, we might ask it this way, what's in it for me? Why is it important for me to study God's Word? Here's what's in it for you. And this is at the preaching preaching thing, they said I should be able to summarize my whole sermon in one sentence, and that's good advice. And here's the one sentence, God's Word brings life. You all say that. So when you, somebody said, what was the sermon about today? You say, God's Word brings life. That'd, that'd be good enough. Okay, so God's Word brings life. Don't believe me? Let's go to the book. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. So Ezekiel was a prophet of the Lord, which meant he received word directly from God. God told Ezekiel what to do, and Ezekiel obeyed. So certainly, if think about if you were Ezekiel, and Ezekiel, you're, you're standing in a field, and you see nothing but just dry bones, and God says, hey, breathe life back into these bones, okay? This would have been a strange request. If I was standing there looking at, at dry bones, of course, I've never heard directly from the voice of God, so my perception might be different if that was the case. But he says, you see these dry bones? We're going to bring them back to life with my words. So Ezekiel walks up on a battlefield full of death, nothing left but bone, no flesh, just bone. Then God says to Ezekiel, Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So God says to Ezekiel, Go here and do this. Speak life into these bones, and I will bring them back to life. Okay, it's only been just a second. What is our one sentence to summarize the whole sermon? Good job. Now, do we see here that God's word brought these dry bones? God said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to breathe life into a dry, a, a whole battlefield full of dried up bones, no flesh, no skin, no breath. And he brought them back to life with his, with his breath. And God's Word still brings life today. That's why expositional preaching is the number one mark of a healthy church. And if expositional preaching is the number one marker of a healthy church, then it must mean that the main role of any pastor should be expositional preaching. And remember that our other eight marks are biblical theology and the gospel and a biblical understanding of conversion, evangelism, and church membership, biblical church discipline, discipleship and growth, and biblical church leadership. So if we think number 1 is the most important where do the other 8 come from Well how do we learn about how do we learn about a biblical understanding of church membership or church discipline or discipleship and growth we learn all these things through take a guess expositional preaching god's word we expose the scriptures for what god wants us to know so that's why number 1 is the most important so, and don't forget it, the key theme of today's message is this, expositional preaching is important because you are getting good. They told me at the preaching thing, don't tell them what your point is. They said, don't tell them you're about to conclude things. Well, sometimes you just don't have to listen to everything everybody says. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kentucky Baptist Convention. They didn't say I couldn't drink water. Okay, so it's by God's Word that we are saved. Without hearing from the Word of God, we cannot be saved. Without studying the Word of God, we cannot be sanctified. Without God's Word, we cannot be made holy over time. And that's what sanctification means, is to be made holy over time. So if we're not studying God's Word, how are we to be made holy over time? It's impossible. So if you're not studying the Word of God, you're not being made holy over time. Okay, God's Word brings life. Let me pause for a second. They also said at the, uh, this guy gave an illustration at the, at the preaching thing. He said, I went to this one church one time and the varnish was worn off of the pulpit because the guy he gripped the pulpit so hard, I guess he wore it out. And I'm thinking, oh, now I'm real in my head about, <laughs> like to. he gave illustrations. He's like, if you move around, if you move around, don't move around too much. People get distracted. I'm like, you don't have to worry about me moving around. I'm not moving around. I move around too much. I'll hurt myself. So God's word brings life. Let's not forget that. I don't. I think I've made that plenty clear. It brought bones to life in the book of Ezekiel. He spoke life into existence in Genesis. And I have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go over all of Genesis one. And for me to read it would take three minutes. And I found this video this morning. It's a video Sunday. I know we love video Sundays here. I found a Genesis one video that might be a little more uh, enjoyable for you all to watch than. Than to listen to me uh, read Genesis, but as you watch this video, the the real point of this today is that there's three phrases that God says over and over in Genesis one, and those three phrases are, "And God said," "And it was so," and "God saw that it was good." So as we watch this and listen, and I think it even shows the words as as the video goes, but pay attention to how many times you see "And God said." And it was so, and God saw that it was good. Pay attention to those three phrases.
1: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let
2: the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its
1: kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind.
2: And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for
1: food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation.
0: That was a little lengthy, but that's okay. And as I sit here now, I think, well, that could have been a distraction. I saw the dandelion and Mark Toole and uh, Tyler Toole probably looking at that dandelion. The dandelion's the enemy, you know. And uh, what else did I see? I saw Nemo swimming around, so all the kids probably got distracted by Nemo, you know. And I don't know about that guy petting that cheetah. That didn't look like a good idea to me, but I didn't really watch the detail in full, full, full detail, I don't think. I probably should be careful about that. But So remember, our three phrases were, and God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. Did you all see? I know we didn't count, but did you notice how often that was repeated. And God said, I have it underlined each time, and I I bet it's 25 times in that one chapter. And God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. So as we think about, and God said, God spoke life into existence with His Word. He still does this every second of every day. He's in control of life. And when we, we think about, and it was so, What God says and does is the authority. If He said it, it happened. And if He says it, it will happen. And we think about, and God God saw that it was good. God's design for this life is good. God's ultimate plan for His glory is good. And if it's good for Him, it should be good for us. Amen on that one? If God's design, if He saw that it was good, we should see it as good as well. And God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. These three phrases really should encompass all Scripture. We can't can't see a part of Scripture and think, well, that that doesn't fit my life. I don't like that. And God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. He said it. He meant it. We better get on board with it because He sees it as good. And remember, God's Word brings life. Have you all ever had a passage of Scripture breathe life into you? Have you ever read something and you were just dumbfounded, how relatable it was to your life. The passage that initially did that for me was Luke chapter 15. Can anybody remember what parable? There's several parables in Luke chapter 15, but the parable of the lost sheep, when I first, I probably heard it as a child. I probably read it as a child. I don't recall, but I vividly remember when I was going through this initial salvation experience reading the parable of the lost sheep and thinking, oh wow, that is me. That is the first time I ever opened the, the Bible and read something and thought, this is speaking directly to me. And I want to read that to you, and it won't take five minutes, and I don't have a video for it. I'm going to read it. So Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 7 says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost? Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. That was, that was me. That was me in the story. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So why did this parable breathe life into me? Because I was the lost sheep. I was lost, I didn't have any care for God, no concern for God whatsoever, and I, through a lot of circumstances in my life, I was at a point where I felt sort of miserable. I thought, what's the point of any of this? I wasn't suicidal, I wasn't on medicine for depression, I was going to a counselor, and he was telling me, like, maybe, I I think I've shared this before, I had all these things written down on a piece of paper and spiritual, the spiritual aspect of life was the last one on my list. And I read I read these things to him. A lot of it was like, nutrition, I need to focus on nutrition, that'll make me feel better. I need to focus on exercise, that'll make me feel better. I need to do this and do this and do this. And the very last one on the list was, I don't know how I had it written, religion or spirituality or something. And I got to that one and I didn't even read it out loud. I read every single one other one out loud. And I got to that one and I said, yeah, but we don't need to focus on that. And he was like, hmm, you better stop for a second. You better focus on that. And that's about all he said about, he, oh, actually he said, I think maybe you're going on a spiritual journey. And I was like, okay, that sounds like some hippie stuff. I don't know about any of that. <laughs> And so, but I went home and Googled it and, and then I started asking questions to, to Mac who's been here before and he is the one that led me to Christ. And throughout that process at some point, he prob- Mac probably pointed me to the parable of the lost sheep and I read it and I thought, oh wow, there's something to this. I am lost. Jesus is saying he will come after me. He's, uh, he's been coming after me and he takes, there's great reward for the coming after me. I am important to Him, and it just, I mean, it just smacked me right in the, in the lips. I thought, man, I've missed a lot. You know, I was 26 or 27 at the time, and that's young. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, that's young. I think I often say things like, I was saved late, but was I? Not really. Uh, I, I, I did life the way I wanted. I learned many things. I learned I learned how to not do life. Which was a good lesson. And then I was saved at twenty-six. And when I read I read this, I read this parable and I just thought, wow, he will pursue me. And that breathed life into me. This word, this scripture breathed life into me. This was just like in Genesis 1, God breathed life into creation. He he gave us animals, he gave us fish, he gave us each other. He breathed life into the earth. Well, that day when I read this, He breathed life into me. So today I want us to remember three things. God's Word brings life. God's Word continues to give life. And the preacher has a role in this plan. And we've already focused deeply on how God's Word brings life. How does God's Word continue to give life? So after we're initially saved, not shaved, saved, after we are initially saved, are we to just clap for ourselves and think, oh well that was good, I'm glad that happened, and then just kind of keep going on about our business? Absolutely not. We are to press on in deepening our faith by studying the word. And John 17, 17 says this Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And remember that sanctify means to be made holy over time. God's word is the God's word and the Holy Spirit makes us holy over time. So we can't become holy and neglect the Word of God. So sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. And remember from the book of Proverbs that the fear of wisdom, or no, I'm sorry, don't fear wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how are we to fear the Lord if we don't read the Word and know what He's, what he's spoken to us, what He's given to us? He's given us life through the Word. If we neglect it, we are neglecting the good of God. So, God's word gives life, God's word continues to give life, and the preacher plays a role in this plan of God. And what do I mean by that? How does the preacher play a role in this? Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Paul didn't tell Timothy, hey, preach whatever makes people feel good. He didn't say, preach a good message uh, in hopes that many people join the church. He didn't say, preach something that keeps everybody entertained and awake all the time. He said, preach the word. And remember from our analysis of Genesis 1, and God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. God says what He says. He means what He says. And if He sees it as good, then so should we. Is that right? It's hard to do sometimes, but it is right. So he said what he said, he means what he says, and he sees it as good. There's plenty of empty, feel-good nonsense going on in this world, leading people to destruction. We don't need... I hope that I make you all feel good when when we leave here every Sunday, but I hope that you see that I'm not really... I'm not really too worried about your feelings. I'm worried about preaching the Word of God so that it can shape us and give us life. Okay? So let's let's be a church that's, that leans solely on the Word of God that gives us life initially and that continues to give us life daily because... 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 That was more exciting, wasn't it? And God's Word continues to give life. And the, the Kentucky Baptist told me not to tell you that I was ending the, the, the message, but I'm doing it. They did say, if you tell them that you're going to end, don't keep it going. So I, I promise you, I'm not going to keep it going. I want to close out this morning with the words of Jesus from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38. Jesus says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. That sounds life filled to me. God's word gives life. Jesus says, out of his heart, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That is, if Jesus is saying this, believe in me and your heart will be alive, your life will be alive. Jesus promises eternal life. He promises love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. He promises all these good things and He just wants us to follow Him. And we follow Him by being in His Word and by loving one another and by being encouraged by one another and continually showing up. When things are hard and life is sketchy sometimes, it's not always fun, it's not always easy, we're not always gonna feel good, but God has promises, talk about feel good, sometimes we think we're gonna feel one way when stuff happens, we cannot let our emotions be our guideline for things. If I let my emotions rule my life, I would be probably dead already, I don't know, but emotions are dangerous. God's Word is what gives us life, not our feelings, not our comforts and our pleasures. God's Word is what gives us life. So hopefully today you can leave here and think, well, what did we learn today? We learned that. God learned life. That is good. Okay, so every week I'll try to come up with a, until I forget, which I'll probably forget next week. <laughs> i try to summarize the sermon in one sentence so that you have something to take home with you. So, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do you believe this to be true? Do you believe that the Word gives life? Are you devoting your life to study the Word so that you can live out your faith and do all the things that Jesus commands? And I realize now, I told you I was closing and I'm still going on, and that's what the fancy Baptist guys told me not to do. So I better stop, but... I just, I just hope that this next, we have eight more weeks in this. I hope that you see that expositional preaching is the of main importance inside a church. I don't need to come up here and make everybody feel great about all the things that we're doing. We just need to preach the Word. We need to lean on the Word. We need to understand the Word. We need to understand that it is good for us and it gives us life and that it promises eternal life through the Word. Not only eternal life, but in John 10.10, 10, He promises the abundant life. Not just not just when we're in heaven, but on this earth. And the abundant Jesus' idea of abundant life and our idea of abundant life are two different things. Jesus doesn't mean, I'm going to give you mansions and fancy cars and clothes and all this. Parker asked me if this watch was a Rolex today. I probably need to reevaluate my parenting. It's not a Rolex, okay? I promise. It never will be. Uh, but... Our idea for an abundant life and Jesus' idea for abundant life are two different things, but we should desire the abundant life on earth that Jesus is telling us about in John 10. 10. So if you're not following Jesus, start today. It's fun. I heard laughter. Following Jesus is fun. Following Jesus is not always easy. Following Jesus always doesn't make us feel uh, the way that we always desire to be filled, but it is the one thing that we can lean on as truth in this world and life giving. So be encouraged by that. Be encouraged that God's word brings life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for this book, uh, Nine Marks of Healthy Church. I'm grateful that it just happened to be behind me on a shelf when I turned around to plan the next sermon series. And it's been enjoyable to get into that already and. Expositional preaching, exposing the Scriptures for what they are and not molding them to fit our lifestyles and our needs are uh, what you call us to. You call us to be devoted to your Word and you call us to be obedient. Just as Ezekiel was obedient when you told him to breathe life into these bones, he's looking at a bunch of dry bones and you say, hey, breathe life into those bones. I'll, I'll do the work. You just do what I say. And Ezekiel says, okay, I'll do that. And then next thing you know, skin and breath are coming out of these dry bones. So the same for us today. Your word tells us what to do. All we have to do is do what it says, and and we will be faithfully obedient and uh, pleasing and honoring to you in that. And that's what we're here to do. That's why we show up. We don't show up to this church for comfortable seats. We don't show up to this church because the coffee is good. Thank you, Barb, for the coffee. We and and John and whoever else does all this behind-the-scenes stuff. But we don't show up to church. We do show up to church for these things because these things are good. But ultimately, we show up to this church to be shaped by the Word of God. That is why we're here. That's why we bring our children here. And God, we're grateful for that. And I just pray that if there's anybody here that's not taking that seriously, that today be the day that they begin to take that seriously. And if they don't even know what that means, let them come forward and ask questions and ask questions and uh, build a relationship with people here that do know what that means. I pray all of these great and glorious things in Your mighty name. Amen.